Hello and welcome to AIPT Comics Podcast, episode 84. Oh my god, the numbers are going higher and higher for us. How you doing? I am doing all right. Feeling refreshed from vacation. This week I was able to read two comics to talk about. So, you know. <laughs> That's the exact amount we're looking the for. The required amount. <laughs> my name is David Brooke. We're here to talk about comics. We're here to talk about comic book news. We're here to review comics. We're here to interview comic book creators. Later in the show, Tom Taylor and Daniele Di Nicolo are here to talk about Seven Secrets, which comes out August 12th from Boom Studios. It's, uh, it's a series that Tom Taylor has been teasing for quite a while. In fact, I asked him, why, you, why tease, Tom? Why tease so much? And he had a laugh. So if you hold on, uh, we, talk, we talk with Tom Taylor and, uh, and the artist of Seven Secrets, Daniele Di Nicolo, uh, later in the show. It's a good interview. I highly recommend you stick around. But before we get there... We're going to recap the biggest news of the week. And this week, shockingly, not a lot of big news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of a lull. Basically, a lot of news about new books coming out, new books possibly being canceled, et cetera, et cetera. And the top of our news, which we spoke about a little bit last week, Injustice Year Zero came out on Tuesday with the first three chapters in the digital first DC Comics format. Uh, this is a Tom Taylor book. It's one that he teased all last week mm-hmm. and accidentally it got leaked what the book was but then i forget which uh, website it was maybe it was comicbook.com they pulled the leak and uh and then everyone was like but we know and and then dc didn't say anything <laughs> well they did a fun bit where tom taylor posted a cover that was just the letters that he had already announced right yeah um mm-hmm. that was a little fun and then you know obvious it was pretty obvious what it was after that I kind of like his teasing. I saw some people getting frustrated with it, but I don't know. It, there's so much negativity on social media. It's nice to see Tom Taylor like mixing it up with that kind of stuff. I mean, I think he has fun doing it, and, that, yeah. and that's great. If he's invested in his projects and he's having fun doing it, it's hard to have um, anything negative to say about him. He's obviously found his niche with these stories, too. Mm-hmm. Um, finding another angle to, to take on Injustice seems difficult to me at this point, but he seems very happy to do it, so that's cool. You know, I, I don't begrudge him. I know some people yeah. do. That book is uh, actually drawn by Roj Antonio with colors by Rain Barreto. Uh, it is out in the first three chapters. You can get them right now. Next in the news, Marvel Comics surprise cancels Doctor Strange, written by Mark Wade. This one was a surprise to me, too, because if you read the previous issue, because the last issue came out this week, if you read the previous issue, it feels like we're just opening up this kind of new world. Yeah. and. You know, Wade has had a couple longer runs with Doctor Strange, especially recently. So kind of surprising that it got canceled. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. They have had a bunch of false starts with Doctor Strange. Um, I was almost just I was wondering earlier today, is he the MCU character that is most central to the MCU, but has the least comic book success? Hmm. Like, I mean, he's had his own movie. He was a major figure in the Infinity Wars movies. Mm-hmm. Yep. Although, in uh, was it Endgame where he was barely in it? Like he wasn't in that one much. He was in the end, right? Right. Right. In, in the big battle, but like he kind of like yeah. Out but for I a mean, while. he's a, he's an important figure, and obviously a high profile actor and all that stuff. And I yeah. don't think that it has necessarily translated to comic success. I would say no. maybe the only other one is Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, though, yeah, they, they, 
Marvel has this really good symbiotic relationship where they, they tend to get good people focused on their comics at the same time. Yeah, I remember, was it a year or two ago now? Donnie Cates had that sort of mini event with Doctor Strange where uh, Mephisto took over yeah. Las Vegas, mm-hmm. which was pretty cool. But again, it wasn't like a main event. No, not not, a, not in the slightest. I guess he's a character that's tough to crack. Um, also, Marvel is not canceling, but delaying Black Cat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there was some confusion initially. It seemed like both Doctor Strange and Black Cat were canceled. Mm-hmm. Jed Mackey clarified on Twitter and said, hey, actually, Black Cat's just taking a pretty substantial hiatus, but I am going to be writing Black Cat in the upcoming Venom event, King in Black. Mm-hmm. So it's possible that he's also doing... He did a bunch of backup stories in Spider-Geddon. Um, so it's possible that he may be doing backup stories or something like that for Kingdom Black also, and he doesn't want to say that. Um, mm-hmm. It's a little unusual for a Marvel book to take however significant of a delay this is. That's kind of more like images thing. Right. Yeah. To give the creators more time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or to drop at the right time. I, these both feel like pandemic uh, reasons for why they're pu- yeah. uh, coming off the shelf. Pro- probably, yeah. The Black Cat one is particularly surprising to me because... I don't know if you remember, but like, mm, like six or seven months ago, Marvel did that um, that Black Cat Iron Man suit tease where they gave each press outlet a little snippet of a picture. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember and that. And the Black Cat issue that came out this week was the first issue where she officially was wearing that suit. And then it just <laughs> ends. <laughs> like, yeah, what? I mean, um, I, maybe they're going to turn it into a trade or something like that. I don't know what that looks like. Well, you know, it's not like Marvel's hard up on um, quality books and books that are selling because this week... They announced that uh, Empire Number no. 4, their big summer event, is getting a second printing, which is particularly interesting because it's the fourth issue. Usually it's the first issue that goes to second or third printings for these kind of events. Um, but that may be because... Big spoiler here, if you don't want Yeah, it. huge spoiler for Empire. It's the, se- the central spoiler for Empire, probably. I do feel like it's okay because Marvel literally spoiled it. <laughs> The day the book came yeah, out sure. themselves. But uh, it was revealed that Wiccan and Hulkling uh, have been wed. They were married. Um, and we don't quite know when, but it was previous to the event of Empire. And Marvel was hyping this um, book called Empire Avengers Aftermath Number 1, which is going to be uh, written by Al Ewing with art by Valerio Shidi, who's also doing the main event. And that book apparently will give us a little more insight into the actual wedding itself. But this is historic because we've never had two uh, heroes. gay heroes yes. married. Yeah, yeah, we've had gay characters getting married, but not two heroes. Yeah, North Star's partner is a civilian. Right. So. so I'm wondering if that's one of the reasons why the sales went through the roof and they got a second printing possibly i mean i i know that speculation on comic books is way up right now Mm -hmm. um i was actually seeing a conversation on twitter the other day about comic stores or are limiting the number of issues that people can buy during the pandemic and requiring that people come back the next day they're trying to speculate and stuff like that and actually a lot of industries are experiencing extreme speculation in the Mm -hmm. um pandemic era i know that like retro video games and stuff are too um, yeah. And so a couple of websites leaked that this was the central conceit of Empire issue number four, and that probably expedited the collecting, the purchase. Right, right. I'm pretty I'm pretty excited for this. I, I love the, the, the couple. Um, yeah, absolutely. The Lords of Empire Hulkling book was really good. It really 
uh, it, it was really good at showing the romance between the characters and that it's a real romance. It's not, you know, they're not just dating or anything. It's mm. it, it's mm-hmm. a true love. So to see this, I was completely shocked by this uh, this reveal too because they've led us to believe that like they're they've just been dating and nothing's changed. Um, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm interested to see how this plays out. I think in Empire Number Five they touch on the wedding a little bit. Uh, that's what it shows in the preview pages anyway. Yeah. So anyway, moving on. Um, I don't know if you know about this book called Harley Quinn, Black Plus White Plus Red, but it's been going on for quite some time. Nearly every single issue has been stellar. True. I can't say every issue has been stellar. I actually didn't read last uh, week's issue. There are. Um, we are up to seven issues this week. Have the seventh release from Erica Henderson. Um, yeah. And these have been a really fun experiment. I really liked Riley Rossmo's. Yeah, that one was really fun. Uh, yeah, so uh, DC revealed the rest of August's releases. This is a 14-part series, so it'll be going into September. But they also revealed that, so Daniel uh, Kibblesmith will be drawing, or sorry, writing uh, the next issue next week on August 14th with art by Marguerite Savage. Um, following that will be Joe Quinones uh, doing issue 9. And then following that will be Danny doing uh, chapter 10 of the book. And both those artists will be writing and drawing, which is yeah. always exciting for me because... So often we see these artists, you know, they're interpreting what a writer has come up with, but now we get to see uh, them come up with every bit of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. DC also revealed their... <laughs> a lot of reveals. <laughs> they didn't really hold anything for fandom. I don't know what they're going to be talking about. Oh, yeah, true. We're going to get to that in a minute. Uh, but, um, yeah, Tales from the Dark Multiverse, which was, I forget how many chapters last year, like four or five, six? Maybe? Five or six. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to have two more chapters come out this November. First of all, this is very much like a dark horror kind of thing. Not sure why it's not coming out in October. It could have because it's not like, you know, it's part of the continuity and canon of the main stories. But be it as it may, they revealed uh, two. One will be focused on Hush and one Flashpoint. The uh, Hush one shot will be written by Philip Kennedy Johnson with art by Dexter Soy. And the Flashpoint book will be written and drawn by Brian Hitch. Don't know how you could possibly make Flashpoint darker, but I am interested to see what Ryan has come up with. Somehow Batman on this cover art that they revealed, you can go to aptcomics.com and check it out. Batman is like almost impaled on a uh, tombstone. It's kind yes. of yeah. creepy. I'm going to guess this is yet another pandemic uh, workaround where they didn't want to stop creators from doing any work but they had to give them something that's outside of the the usual work because it's so it'd be impossible to keep all the books going i guess yeah probably um but yeah so dc revealed a bunch of of comic things uh we'll get back to dc in a second but before we do um it was revealed last week um on games radar that ed brubecker and sean phillips are going to be coming out with a graphic novel series three graphic novels that are all linked well, this week, The Hollywood Reporter had the scoop that the first of the three is called Reckless, and it's coming in December 2020. Um, once again, it's they're tried and true for these creators. It's crime fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go to the website, I posted a preview of it. Looks pretty cool. There's a dude with an axe, and he's all bloody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, the same as I was saying about Tom Taylor, I guess, Brubaker and Phillips have found their niche. Yeah. Um, and I'm yeah. glad that it, a lot of people really like it. Yeah, Nathan and I both picked Pulp last week as our favorite book of the week, and uh, it's it's up there. It's it's probably some of the best storytelling you can get in alternative kind of storytelling. Not superheroes, but 
um, kind of gritty and realistic sort of mm. storytelling. Mm-hmm. It, it has never really appealed to me, though. I think I've only read one, and I honestly can't even remember which one it was. I do really mm. like That Texas Blood, the image book that's coming out from Chris Condon right now, um, mm-hmm. who has worked on some of those books with Brubaker. And a lot of people were comparing That Texas Blood positively um, to the, the criminal series from Brubaker mm. and Phillips and Condon and stuff. So I'm interested in checking them out. I think now that I'm kind of more interested in that kind of storytelling, um, mm-hmm. I, I may have a renewed interest in it. I don't know. Yeah, I'm very curious to see how a OGN or graphic novel series works, because that's not that doesn't happen very often. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, something that's not quite realistic, but also is steeped in realism. <laughs> Slaughterhouse Five is getting a graphic novel adaptation uh, at Boom Studios. It's coming from Ryan North and artist Albert Montes. I don't know if you are familiar with Slaughterhouse-Five. It's Kurt Vonnegut's book. It's based on true events uh, that happened to him during World War II, but with a crazy sci-fi twist. Yeah. <laughs> um, I personally love Kurt Vonnegut's work, so I'm excited to read I do, this too. Thing. I had a friend that uh, did a bunch of interpretations of Vonnegut's passages and stuff when I was in debate yeah. in high school, um, oh, cool. and that really endeared me to Vonnegut's writing. It's really cool to see someone translate prose like that to a performance mm. and i think that it is kind of the same thing to see a translation to like a comic book so it could be really interesting there's a lot of room for freeform jazz there yeah and ryan north as we know is a hilarious writer mm-hmm. so he'll be able to capture that humor i think which is i think sometimes hard to do i believe the slaughterhouse five film adaptation was very bad <laughs> so i, it's I don't even to... recall it it's easy to break break this uh, and make it not so good. Um, so yeah, in back to reveals in in uh, comic news, Black Widow number one finally gets an on sale date. Uh, it's coming out September. Um, this one actually released to some comic shops over the last couple of months during the pandemic. Comic shops got it, and some of them were actually selling it. Um, this is Kelly Thompson and Elena Casagrande's new take on the character. Uh, Marvel also revealed a trailer for the book. It looks good. I, I really, I'm a big fan of Kelly Thompson, so I'm, I'm going to be definitely reading this one. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Like I was saying about Doctor Strange, I think that they tend to do a pretty good job of getting good creators on books for that synergy between the movies and the books. Whether or not movies actually translate to sales is a different issue, um, yeah. especially because folks are going to be blind buying Black Widow through Disney+. Plus. Um, I don't know. But it, it's still cool, and I'm sure Thompson had a really good take on it. She's a fantastic writer. Did they confirm that with Disney Plus? Yet? Yes or no? Yeah, both Mulan and Disney and Black Widow. When is the When is the Black Widow coming? I out? think it's November. Is it November? Yeah. Nice. And it's going to be thirty dollars. I'm buying that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to buy either of them. I find it a little insulting. I saw someone point out like if you buy Black Widow, isn't it just going to be free on the service in like six months? Right. That's why I find it so insulting because they're not offering any, any difference aside from getting in early, I guess. Yeah, like it should come with uh, maybe Black Widow number one by Kelly Thompson. <laughs> sure. <laughs> also revealed today exclusively on comicbook.com, or when I say today, I mean Friday because we're recording on Friday, um, is a new U.S. agent series written by Christopher Priest and drawn by Stefano Landini. Um, USA agent or US, yeah, USA agent, right? No, US agent. I don't know. Anyway, I've always been intrigued by this character. I like how 
it's like the darker version of Cap. And he's been written in goofy ways in the past. He's been written in darker ways in the past. This looks like it could be a blend of both, at least based on the cover art that's been revealed. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What's your take on this? I don't necessarily care about the U.S. agent character or property. <laughs> but I'm, I, I, I'm never upset about creators getting work. That's true. That's true. I'm, I, I'm wondering why this is coming out now, but uh, I guess we'll find out more when the when the book is soli- officially solicited mm-hmm. and we get more info. Yeah. Now to the news we've all been waiting for and hyping for the entire 15 minutes of the show. <laughs> <laughs> DC Fandom released their guest lineup this week, and um, so if you don't know, DC Fandom. That's how you say it, fandom. I think it is, yeah. It's their, it's the Warner Brothers, uh, or DC Comics, or, you know, whatever you want to call it, because it literally cover. it's their convention, virtual convention, that covers television, comics, and movies. And uh, they've been slightly hyping it for a couple weeks now. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly yeah, there around were, Suicide Squad. <clears throat> there are advertisements in the Harley Quinn black, white, and red issues. The digital oh, really? first, yeah. All of the advertisements are for Fandom. Oh, okay. So, if you attended Comic-Con at home, you probably noticed DC didn't reveal too much. That could be because they're holding it all for DC Fandom. Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of speculation that they're going to be announcing that DC Unlimited is just a comic service now. Because Mm. HBO Max has had a lot of success with the second season of uh, Doom Patrol. Mm -hmm. Um, And they may be pivoting titans and whatever other shows the harley quinn animated series is doing well um whatever whatever other shows are successful that's expected to be the big news Mm -hmm. so i'm not sure and also looking at this guest list which includes aisha tyler d nice estelle estelle her will arnett venus williams sam wright i mean these aren't (laughs) comics folks so um, no. obviously some of like Will Arnett has a Batman connection, um, Lego yeah. Batman in particular, and that kind of stuff. But I'm kind of expecting that a lot of the news is not going to be comic centric. No, yeah, I was. There's another link. Uh, I don't think it's loading for me right now, but there's another link that shows a much longer list, mm. and Brian Michael Bendis is on it. Okay. Uh, a couple writers uh, that are familiar that were part of like. Um, Young Animal, stuff like that. Okay, sure. But, but it's mostly like Dwayne Johnson, Michael Rooker. It's like movie people, Robert Pattinson. Um, I know Suicide Squad is something that's been hyped quite a bit, so we'll and, probably get a trailer. Mm-hmm. And Rock said he just announced their Suicide Squad game. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is cool, because, I mean, Batman Arkham Asylum was amazing. Yeah, I mean, and they're they're working on a Suicide Squad game leaked like five years ago. So Really? Yeah, it's wow. been a really long time. I didn't know um, that. But they're probably repositioned it for the new movie launch. So maybe we'll see some of that too. But basically what I'm saying is it's going to be a lot of comics related things, but not comics. Yeah. Bendis may pitch something. Those high profile creators, Jeff Lemire might as well. Um, mm. And then I think that we'll maybe find out what Endless Winter is. But I'm right. not expecting a lot of comics news. Do you think uh, Scott Snyder last week revealed, you know, he's bowing out of the main titles because he wouldn't be a headliner at this thing? That's possible. Yeah. Maybe they wanted to get ahead of it. Right. He's positioned uh, Bendis to rule it all. Snyder is definitely getting some bad press right now. So it's possible. That could be part of it. Yeah. What do they, what do you do if, if they go, Brian Michael Bendis is bringing us 
not Ultimate Comics, Awesome Comics, a new line <laughs> of superheroes. I mean, I think we were talking off air about liking What If and Elseworld stories and stuff, and that's why I'm willing to give any of the Dark Multiverse stuff a shot. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, and he had success with the Ultimate Universe, though it hasn't really had staying power outside of Miles, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be very transparent, but also I'd be open to it. Right. I, I, no disrespect to Brian, Brian Michael Bennis, but I'm like, does should he really be controlling DC? I mean, he did that at Marvel for 15 years, and look where that got us. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, some people really like the X-Men story, the 05 stuff, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Ultimate Spider-Man was quite good. Yes, absolutely. He's He's got a certain skill set, but I don't think it's a skill set that lends itself to leading a line the same way that folks like Kirkman do. Right, right. Or Hickman. They should hire Axel Alonso to be editor-in-chief. <laughs> Dan Didio will move over, take CB's job. Uh, you know, we'll just mix it up. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, God. So we talked about Bad Idea last week, and now we're talking about it again because... <laughs> let's Let me just let me lay it out for you. In the morning, I get a tweet from Forrest. Because <laughs> my news always starts with Forrest in the morning. Uh-huh. Uh, showing uh, that Bad Idea was hyping a book drawn by Villalobos, and yet he came out and said, no, that's not true. I didn't, I didn't not doing anything for Bad Idea. Right. And it was a piece of art with his name underneath it. And it was a big hubbub for hours. People were like, oh my God, oh my God, Bad Idea is stealing his art or something. Right, yeah. Or, or attaching his name to a different artist's work or something like that. Right, there was right, quite a few right. people that are like, well, if they're just stealing art or if he you know, did a pitch for them and they're using it to promote themselves. We should not support bad idea. And I think that there are plenty of other reasons to not support bad idea. (laughs) Right. But, and then uh, Ramon recorded himself saying he doesn't know anything about this and he's very upset or whatever. And then like an hour later, Forrest gives me the top news again, like he always does (laughs) (laughs) and tells me it's fake. And I go, what? Yeah, what? so Ramon <laughs> released another video that was insinuating that all of the confusion was because of the button, which right. is Bad Ideas marketing thing right now. Um, a friend of mine's actually going to get to interview the button, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Wait, the button? Oh, because it's sentient. The button's right. doing an interview. Yeah, it's sentient. But um, Ramon clarified further by winking and uh, really affecting his voice that he is, in fact, working on a Bad Idea book. Um, and also he's, he's very sarcastic. It's his shtick. Um, he's very critical of things, both intentionally and unintentionally. I like him a lot. He should be allowed to do whatever he wants. Um, but, and I bet he's probably glad he dipped on that Wildcats book now. Um, yeah, he handled this much better than bad idea did. Right. And it's do, do weird. Tell. It's just really weird. I, I yeah. think his self-deprecating sarcastic, thing lends itself very well to what bad idea is trying to do right but um you know some people were tweeting at dinesh and others that are working on bad ideas saying like i know that this was a bit that ramon was in on but as a random person seeing an artist i like seemingly being ripped off um it's not really appropriate to do that you should be appropriately crediting people and not obfuscating work paid work that is being done especially right now when people are getting a lot of pencils down orders um, Dinesh replied, not thin skin, so no worries. And the books are more of the same, just as insane and just as many bad ideas. It's very hard to read this because he's branding <laughs> in the middle of it. 
If you think <laughs> yeah. this joke isn't for you, we're not looking to take $4 from you. We're doing a very specific thing for a specific crowd. Do love that you can identify us now, though. So mm, Dinesh is basically of, saying, like, mm. well, everyone's talking about bad idea because of our bad idea, so maybe it was a good idea? To which I kind counter... dismissive, right? To which I counter, no, it's not a good idea that people are talking about you because it's all negative press. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or, or us, conf- or the press confused, right? Right, right. I... I actually brought this up in our Slack, like, I, I you know, because oft, very often lately, something will happen on Twitter, and people like me will write a bit of news about it, and I was curious if Bad Idea was hoping I would go, oh, I should write news about mm, this. Mm-hmm. I was Luckily, nervous, I didn't fall for it. I was nervous about <laughs> doing that or endorsing that specifically because of Ramon's Twitter character. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see why Bad Idea thinks that that might not have happened. And maybe that's what they wanted. Right. Right. Well, I'm sure there'll be more shenanigans as we go on into the year. I'm already tired. <laughs> I know. It's exhausting. Their button has to reach one billion clicks before they will be released from the button. Yeah, or something, right. Something. Yeah. yeah. And also, Dinesh, I, I, I kind of admired their commitment to the bit. And at the same time, I'm exhausted by it. Um, you know, Dinesh saying, yeah. we don't want your $4. Well, easy enough, because you're not going to be in any comic stores near me. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to yep. get my money. Yeah, I mean, I live a uh, five-minute, ten-minute drive to Cambridge, mm-hmm. uh, and about as close to Boston, and I still have to drive 45 minutes to get to the nearest one. Yeah, I'm looking at, like, four <laughs> hours. It's yeah. ridiculous. I don't know. Yeah. I, I honestly wish that they just stayed quiet until they were much closer to release because I don't even, we still don't know when their first book's coming out. Yeah. 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 There's there's a lot of things that we could pick apart about it and we have week after week after week, but they're, they're still pressing on. So I don't know. We'll keep you apprised listeners. And we'll press on into our next bit of news, which is the last bit of news. Dark horse comics. Yeah. So they, this week, actually they published a alien comic adaptation of the script. So it's a comic book based on the script, not on the movie. So the well, based on the original script, based on the very first treatment of Alien, and I reviewed it. It's it's quite good. It's really pretty, and it's a great idea because it's like, oh, let's get a a new take Mm -hmm. on a tried and true classic. And they were going to do Predator. Unfortunately, they won't be doing Predator anymore. They won't be adapting the original screenplay. Um, And you actually caught this news. Yeah, I saw it on Instagram, actually. They were promoting the Alien treatment, the Alien adaptation. And someone said, is your Predator adaptation still going to come out? And they said, due to COVID cancellations, as well as Marvel or slash Fox uh, shifting the rights away from us, unfortunately, that book won't be able to come out. Won't be published. So um, that's a disappointment. I actually kind of think that Predator and Alien has been Dark Horse's high profile thing for a really long time. Aside from, I guess, Black Hammer um, mm-hmm. and, and the McNolliverse, obviously. Um, and so it's weird. They're going to have to find some way to fill that void, and I don't know what it will be yet. Um, and yeah. it's also a little disappointing. They'd already been promoting it. They already, had already had a cover art out and those sorts of things for it. Yeah, I'm surprised. I, I mean, I guess because Pencil's down, they couldn't get the creators to make it fast enough. Um, right. We know that Marvel's taking over... Uh, all the Fox properties in 2021, right? January? Yeah, January. When that news came out that Marvel was taking over uh, all the Fox properties, everyone was like, oh, what's going to happen with Alien? And it wasn't quite clear what... I don't think Dark Horse made any statements or anything. Mm -hmm. 
They must really hate Marvel, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I they think took it would be, Star Wars. I think it would be difficult not to. Conan, they just, Star Wars, yeah. Predator, Alien. Um, oh, man. Yeah, I, I, they could probably have a pretty good antitrust case on their hands if they wanted to pursue that. Yeah, although you can't fight the mouse. You can't. In our next segment, our top books of the week, our top two favorite comics that came out this week. Forrest, what was your second favorite book of the week? My second favorite book of the week was Harley Quinn, Black, White, and Red, number seven, written by Eric, written and drawn, excuse me, by Erica Henderson. This is just a fantastic um, short story about how much of a shitty roommate Harley Quinn is. Um, <laughs> she breaks up with Mr. J. She's living with Poison <laughs> Ivy. She's talking about how her new idea is to fight crime. And mm. Poison Ivy is like, you know that we're criminals, right? <laughs> um, and then through a series of unfortunate events, uh, Harley Quinn ends up destroying all of Poison Ivy's possessions. Oh, my God. So uh, just a nightmare scenario, a really good, funny, earnest depiction of what it would be like to try and live or keep up with someone like Harley Quinn. Um, mm -hmm. And... Henderson also does some really interesting, neat things with the art. Uh, obviously, they're only limited to black, white, and red. And she does a really cool thing where, like, as Poison Ivy's getting madder, her face is getting slightly more red each panel. Mm -hmm. um, and, and some other interesting artistic tricks like that. It's just very funny and very sweet. Um, and it, I kind of like a no-consequences story. You yeah, know? it's it, light and fun, it, right? Yeah. I think this exemplifies what these these one issue these contained elseworld stories can be and what they can do yeah it's like uh low risk high reward yeah absolutely i mean i felt the same way about rosmos just experimenting and they're so stylish her each page you can tell is drawn like all together on a piece of paper whereas some of these you can tell like they were digitally made and probably pulled together with multiple like layers and stuff. This looks like it was all hand drawn to me. Yeah, she has a fantastic um visual storytelling style. I really like the way she lays out stories in the panels that she does and stuff. Yeah. And it's a yeah. little less normal than even some of the other Harley Quinn issues have been. Yeah, true. Um, my second favorite book was also a DC book. It was The Dreaming Waking Hours number 1 by G Willow Wilson and Nick Robles. This is the first Dreaming spinoff since The Dreaming ended uh, by Cy Spurrier and Bilquis Evely. This book, uh, I was very curious uh, to, to find out what this was about because on the cover, you see Shakespeare and you're like, huh? Shakespeare? Um, but it actually makes a lot of sense and it weaves together really well. It opens with a woman who has a baby and is having weird dreams of staircases. And soon we find that she's really stressed out. She's uh, working in academia and trying to do a paper on Shakespeare, which people think is silly and stupid because everything's been written about Shakespeare, of course. Mm. Uh, um, I don't want to spoil too much, but eventually uh, she goes back to sleep and she has this really weird sleeping pattern because of her baby keeping her up all the time and also all of her work, et cetera, et cetera. She falls asleep, but she's not quite asleep because of this lack of sleep. And she runs into a nightmare. And the nightmare is like, you can see me? And basically a magic happens and they switch roles and the nightmare is now in the real world and she is now stuck in this dream world with Shakespeare. <laughs> and so we have this interesting uh, split of lives. Meanwhile, we find out that uh, Sandman, he knew what he was doing all along and he's been kind of orchestrating this. We don't know why yet, but 
Um, so there's this higher level of like the dreaming and how it all interacts with this nightmare and what he's up to, but also this interesting um, protagonist who is clearly very, very smart and clearly, clearly a very, really hardworking person. And she's kind of in the same book using this ability to seek to different versions of Shakespeare to do a little bit more research. And maybe uh, her paper will come out even better than ever. I don't know. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so the book is, it's very sophisticated. It's very visually stimulating. The characters are all very believable and human. Even the nightmare character, when he's scary looking, he's still, you can still see the humanity in his eyes. And there are a lot of components that make this feel like a Sandman book. Sure. Yeah. Um, I imagine Neil Gaiman would approve it. <laughs> and he probably I, I think he probably is. I wonder yeah. how inv- invested he is because I do think that just working on this property is pulling out kind of a lot of the literary comic storytelling, that very rich layered storytelling that you were alluding to uh, that mm-hmm. he that he deals almost exclusively in. Right. And right. and that audio series is out now. It is. So he I probably has a renewed interest in the property. And then the Netflix show's coming too. Mhm. Um, yeah, it's kind of like the opposite of your second pick, and yeah. it's a little more complex. Sure. But uh, I can't wait to, ki- to ki- keep uh, exploring this world that uh, Willow Wilson and uh, Robles are, are unveiling for us. But what was your favorite book of the week? My favorite book of the week was King of Nowhere, number four, written by Maxwell Prince with art by Tyler Jenkins. Um, I've been vacillating for the past four, flipping back and forth for the past four issues. Um, wondering what I thought the point of King of Nowhere is, because similar to what you were saying about the dreaming, it's very dense. It has a lot of meanings. It has a lot of um, parallelism, um, two sides of the same coin type storytelling, those sorts of things, both narratively and artistically. And it clicked for me with this issue, which is the penultimate issue. There's only one more issue. Um, That Prince is telling a very earnest story about the razor-thin line between human ingenuity and destructiveness. Hmm. And that takes place in a larger macro plot about nuclear annihilation and radiation and those sorts of things. And on a smaller, more micro plot about alcoholism and relationships and families and those sorts of things and how they are both inherently loving and creative, but also destructive and how people hone that creativeness and that destructiveness um, to hurt each other and to help each other. It's a very interesting story about community and about personal, personal responsibility within a community. Um, And that's the kind of storytelling that I think is very poignant for the pandemic time. It really helps that Jenkins art is so beautiful as well. Mm. Um, It reminds me a lot of Tyler Crook's work on Harrow County, which is probably one of my favorite horror comics of all time. Um, it's just this beautiful pastel laden watercolor laden fantasy world. It's like fables in a sense that all the people are, you know, fish people or deer people, or it's got this kind of weird visual surrealism, but the storytelling is so raw and intimate that those two things actually, and the, uh, disconnect between those two things normally actually lifts each side of it up very well. And I have to imagine they're having a very good time making this book. I'm really, I'm really sad that there's only one more issue. This is, mm. it reminds me a lot about how I felt about Coda last year. Um, mm-hmm. Sizebury or Matthias Bergara's book. And that like, 
I'm sitting here like, why is no one talking about this book? <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I probably have a real good essay in me. Um, I do want to wait until the last issue. Right. Does it feel like a Boom Studios book to you? No. No, no, yeah, no. Yeah, I was no. thinking. It, it, it's, yeah. it seems like an entirely creator-owned, weird comic book that I, I don't even know a publisher that I would normally ascribe this to. Maybe Vault? I was thinking like Fanagraphics. Yeah, maybe. sure. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. It is It is highbrow, hilarious, heartbreaking storytelling. And I think everyone would do well to read it before it wraps up. Or when it wraps nice. up. My book was also from an indie publisher. Is Image Comics indie? I think, yeah. <laughs> I think it... Sometimes people say the big three, but they mean either Dark Horse or Image. Right. I picked Firepower number one by Robert Kirkman and Chris Samney. Um, this book actually came out, issue one and two came out this week. Um, it, it it's a, follows a prelude graphic novel they released, uh, I believe, a month or so ago, which was supposed to originally come out in April. Um, Firepower is a surprisingly uh, domestic series in the, like domestic life, family life. It introduces us to this character named Owen, <clears throat> who has a daughter and a son and a wife and white picket fence, all that. And he, but yet he has a secret past, somehow connected to martial artists and I guess a firepower. (laughs) (laughs) No, actually we get to see it in the first issue, but this first issue is very heavily surrounding a barbecue that he's hosting uh, where his family and friends are there. And it is exceptional at capturing the awkwardness, the uh, uniqueness of, of personalities blending together and having it not work, having it work, having your mom there, making off-color comments or whatever, Mm -hmm. and managing all that while also trying to cook some burgers. (laughs) And um, (laughs) Also, there's some strange uh, fellow from your past that's uh, been hanging around. So I have to say, Chris Samney is probably one of the best artists in comics today. Yes, absolutely. Yes. His work on Black Widow, um, the more recent Black Widow with uh, Mark Wade, is some of the best comics I've ever read because of his ability to pace and tell a visual story from every aspect, be it action or acting of the characters. And you see that here. There's just great attention to detail, body language, everything that makes this party scene that could have been incredibly boring by a different artist come alive and feel real. And I honestly was wondering, like, did he like watch movies of characters at barbecues or something? Because like this all <laughs> looks like it really happened. Sure. Yeah, all that reference. Right. Um, I definitely recommend reading issue two, getting them both at the same time, because this issue is all build up to a moment. And then the next issue is like the first 14 pages is an action scene. So it kind of completes. And also it ends on a cliffhanger that completes this, the first thrust of the story and gets us ready for the conflict and what's lying ahead for Owen. Mm, mm-hmm. I, I also can see how Robert Kirkman, we know Robert Kirkman plans ahead. He has to, right? I mean, it doesn't write, I, I'm sure he writes, to the moment, but also like yeah, Walking Dead I, Invincible. I mean, I think that him and Samney are probably on the same page regarding yeah. the long-term narrative beats. I can start to see maybe there's a Owen and his family all kind of get together and maybe become a family of fighters. I don't know. That's just my uh, my gut reaction. But there's a little, I don't know, it just feels very robust and it feels really well thought out. And I think that if you commit to this, you'll probably be in this for the long run. Mm. 
That's, I'm, so, yeah, I'm sure would, Robert uh, Kirkman is hoping the same thing. <laughs> yeah, and probably a TV show and a movie deal, too. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, Firepower is my favorite book of the week. Moving on, top books for next week. Our number one book we're looking forward to out next week. Mm-hmm. For, Force, what do you want to read that's coming out next so week? So this is a little bit of a unique pick, but I actually picked The Strange Skies Over East Berlin trade paperback. Um, I believe that this was a five-issue series written by Jeff Loveness with art by Lissandro Esterin. I only read the first two issues. I liked them a lot, um, and then the world kind of changed, and my focus and my free time kind of changed a little bit. But um, this is a Cold War-era supernatural noir thriller about um, both sides of the Berlin Wall, um, espionage, action, and aliens. (laughs) Um, yeah. it's, it's just a really interesting setting for a story. I was very drawn into it. Um, and I do think that once I'm invested in it, I'm going to want to read the whole thing. So this mm-hmm. was one of the books that kind of clicked in my mind, like, yeah, I'm just going to buy the trade. Um, and I'm going to do that. I forget. Did you review one of the books? I, it was one of my top picks for the week oh, when okay. it came out, which was actually quite yeah. a while ago now. Yeah, I know. It feels like ages. I mean, the pandemic kind of yeah. made everything take an extra two or three months, right? Yes. <laughs> Um, my most anticipated book of the week is Wonder Woman number 760 by Mariko Tamaki and Mikhail Janin. Um, I'm excited. This is, uh, this is Janin and Tamaki's second issue in the run, so they're just getting started. I'm not a huge Maxwell Lord fan, but I'm curious to see how she uses the character. I will say, Janin, I don't think he can draw a bad panel. (laughs) Um, it's just hyper, it's like a different level of realism Mm. when it comes to his work. And um, this book was probably intended to come out while the movie did too. So, you know, you know, Tamaki and others in DC in general are all thinking about that and how that will work. And this issue, it's filled with action. It's filled with um, really the main thrust of like Maxwell Lord's point in the story. And, um, you know, as a first story arc, I have a feeling that we have some pretty big surprises in store. So, yeah, I can't wait to continue to read this series. I would be hard-pressed not to enjoy a book by multiple Eisner Award-winning writer, Mariko Tamaki. I'll tell you <laughs> oh, what. Oh, yeah. I, maybe I should have led with that. <laughs> she just won the Eisner a lot, for Best Writer. A lot of Eisners. Uh, yeah, yeah. She has got a couple under her belt yes. now, right? Yeah. yeah. I think she also had some Glad Awards. Uh, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. She's definitely going to go down as one of the greatest. Um, next up, judging by the cover, Junior, what is your favorite cover art of the week? Hosts of the AIP Comics podcast, God just said to me in my ears, and now I'm back in my body. My favorite cover art of the week is Marauders number 11. It's actually a variant cover. Um, it's it's actually a, like a series of variant covers by um, Javier Rodriguez in that he only uses yellow and black m- predominantly. And in this cover, it is an homage to the early days of the X-Men when they actually cared about, hey, what happened to the danger room? Is that on Krakoa? Side tangent, let's solve this right yes. now. <laughs> I, I, I'm assuming so. They sh- oh, My gut reaction Forge, was yes. Forge has lots of gizmos. He's probably got some. I bet on. there's danger room on the moon and on Krakoa. Probably. I mean, at this point, every inch of the Earth is danger room because of the Empire, I guess. <laughs> True. So, uh, yeah, so this cover uh, features Kitty Pride on the right and our X-Men in the danger room fighting on the left. And Kitty's um, sort of young awkwardness and maybe nervousness of being an X-Men is featured in her body language and facial expression. Meanwhile, the X-Men are 
kicking ass against the metallic robotic machines that Xavier, or was it Scott? I forget who built the danger room. No, maybe it was Beast. Doesn't matter. Anyway, they're fighting, and it's pretty awesome. And uh, it's kind of cool how it's laid out. It's very different for a cover. Hmm. Okay. What was your favorite cover of the week? Uh, my favorite cover is Papaya Salad. This is an original graphic novel by writer and artist Elisa Maccarelli. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Elisa Maccalari. Maccalari. Okay. Elisa Maccalari. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's a very interesting cover. It's got a figure that's kind of crouched down next to, you might guess, a split open papaya. Um, Get out. There are some really beautiful floral designs, both behind the figure and in front of it. And then all across their body, they're nude. Um, it's not graphic or anything, but they're nude. And they have this kind of tiered scaffolding system with impossible stairs, um, MC Escher or Labyrinth style, and then um, some temples, a Buddha-like figure, um, and, and a bunch of... It's all in color because they're a stark white figure um, against this beautiful monochromatic blue background and it's just very visually arresting and um if the art is up to par with the cover i think that it's a very unique way to uh, call attention to specific elements in the story and especially so for a biographical story because that's a very important um aspect in biographical story telling is impact imparting the expression that the central character feels or felt to the reader um, and you, you have to have a certain editorial ability to call attention to important things. And this cover makes me think that uh, they can do that. I love how you can tell like it's it's hand drawn. Yeah. And, and there's like layering too. it. There's like stuff in the foreground and the background. And... Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of intentionality here. I feel like I'm like a philosopher just looking at this cover. <laughs> I would I would love to read it. Um I would love to look at the cover again after reading it and see if there are central elements. Do you know off the top of your head who the publisher is? I'm curious. It's Dark Horse. Oh. The, de the debut graphic novel from Thai Italian illustrator. Huh. Okay. Elisa cool. Macchiari. Papaya Salad tells the story of her great uncle, Sam Pong, who found himself in Europe on military scholarship on the eve of World War II. Nice. A 232-page original graphic novel. Those are all the rage, I These hear. These are all the rage. They're the things I'm enjoying <laughs> reading right now, too. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to keep up with uh, single issues as it is. And now there just seems to be more and more graphic novels coming mm -hmm. out. Well, in our next segment, we will be interviewing Tom Taylor and Daniele DiNicolo about Seven Secrets, a new Boom Studio series out August 12th. Actually, if you're a comic book shop owner, on August 5th, you can get a copy early if you're part of their special program. Um... You know, I didn't ask them about that. I should have, maybe. It's kind of an interesting <laughs> thing that the boom is doing there. The idea being, like, put it in the hands of comic shops a week early, I guess, so they could sell it better or, you know, be better at understanding the book before selling it a week later. Anyway, it's eight questions, and it's a good one. Uh, thanks for listening, and talk to you next week. See ya. So, on with me is Tom Taylor and Daniele Nicolo to talk about Seven Secrets, which releases in comic book shops August 12th. Uh, thank you guys so much for being on the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you. My top question, yeah. possibly the hardest and the biggest gotcha question I have. Are you good at keeping secrets? Ooh, uh, yes, I am. Um, particularly when it comes to anything to do with entertainment. Um, I, I, <laughs> one of my pet peeves is anybody spoiling a movie 
or mm. or a mm-hmm. book or a comic. Like anytime one of my children says something about something I haven't said, I'm like, no, you know, this is you know, you, you're out of the family. <laughs> um, like it is, <laughs> that's funny. It's, it's incredibly important to me that things don't get spoiled. Um, I won't. I won't even sort of retweet a great review if if it also spoils something about the comic. Um, it's just it's how I'm built. So yes, I'd say I'm quite good at keeping secrets. Daniele? Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. Because I I love surprises, so I I don't want to be spoiled. So I don't want to spoil things to people. And uh, I, I yeah, I'm pretty good to keep secrets. Yeah, I don't have child, so. <laughs> and, and I, anybody to tell no don't do this but uh, i will once i have uh, some uh, some kids uh but definitely yeah i am very good very good with secrets yeah that's awesome tom you're so good at teasing i, I keep writing newses about your uh, your tweets and <laughs> i imagine it there's there is a, a a skill in keeping secrets in telling in teasing because you can't say too much right no that's right um, and you know, that is, you know, if you enjoy my teasing on the internet, then that is this <laughs> book to a T. Um, this entire book is, is a mystery. It's, it's, it's a what's in the box story, but there's seven different boxes. There's seven different cases and a secret society protecting them and a secret group of people trying to reveal the secrets. So, um, mm. it's secrets on secrets on mysteries on teasers all the way through. <laughs> um, so it's, it's exciting. I've I've been able to read the first issue, first two issues actually, and okay. again, I, no spoilers in this uh, podcast. But I do have to ask a little bit about process and stuff like that. So, one of my my next question is: uh, There's a fan out there who needs Seven Secrets. Can you describe that comic book fan? The comic book fan that needs Seven <laughs> Secrets. That needs it, not just wants it, but right. needs it. Okay, so that fan obviously has, for a start, has incredibly good taste. Um, and I appreciate that. Uh, look, more than anything, this book, if, if you know the sort of stories that I tell, mm-hmm. they're, they, they're constantly entertaining. So constantly entertaining, hopefully always on the edge of your seat, wanting mm-hmm. to turn every page, uh, full of humor, full of heart, full of big shocks, um, but also mm-hmm. triumphs that go with the losses. And with this book in particular, that's that's all of that, like, turned up another degree. It is this book, it's, if you like a mystery, this is the perfect book. So anyone out there who needs a mystery, this is all mm-hmm. the mysteries. This is a book full of never quite knowing what will happen, but desperately needing to know. You know, it's, it's what's in the box, but every issue is like that. Nice. And also, if you appreciate, you know, incredible art, then... You need hmm. this book because Daniele has just crushed it from day one. I mean, he's everyone sort of sees his work and talks about the action that hmm. he does and this this incredible kinetic energy he has where all the hits feel real, where people are flying through the air and and you just feel, you know, you're captivated by it. But it's also it's his character work, which just blows my hmm. mind. It's it's these these subtle subtle feelings and subtle emotions you see on these faces and all these characters that we've fallen in love with very quickly because of how Daniele can put, you know, can can breathe life into them on the page. So for me, you know, it's, it's all of that. This is a really exciting book um, from a creative point of view and hopefully for readers as well. 
you perfectly set up my next question, which was how do you develop a relationship that feels so real between Ava and Sigurd? How do you, how do you make it feel so natural? Because, and you kind of touched on it uh, by the art, but like I was reading it and I'm just like, I feel like I know these characters right off the bat. Is there a back and forth between you and, and Daniele uh, uh, to develop that relationship? I think, look, I, I, when I first put them on the page, when I first sort of described them for Daniele, mm. he then went away and drew them. And straight away, um, they came back and between the two of us, we, we knew them. Um, or we wanted to know more about them because Daniele drew them so well realized straight away but with those two characters in particular um and any character i write i make sure i know their voice because their voice is the most important thing and their relationship mm. to one another um and in issue one it really is there's so much about their story it's about what their what they give up for their sense of duty and it's a real, you know, it's quite a heartbreaking one. So, but it means you really feel for them, and you can tell that they know each other well, and so you want to know more about their lives. But Danielle, do you want to talk about um, coming up with the characters? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, um, I did the design pretty, pretty easily, and everything came up naturally because, I mean, Tom is so damn good with characters and story and storytelling and. Uh, since I read the script uh, and the, the very first pitch um, and the description of the characters, they they were alive. With just a brief description, they were already alive, and it came immediately. I, I when when the description came in, I did uh, immediately the sketches and the designs, and it sent it to Tom, and he was immediately happy with them. And uh, and as you said, their relationship feels so real in the at the beginning at the beginning of the story just with a couple of phrases and uh i i don't know how he does what he does is <laughs> <laughs> very very good with that and sounds uh, like magic yeah 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 and uh, i i i feel very lucky as an artist to uh to have the chance to working with him because um, i think we have the, the same view uh, about the stories and uh, and that view is um, that characters can can drive the stories. I mean, you can have the, the most amazing plot, but characters mm -hmm. can can do everything. Also, with uh, a very simple plot, but if you if you care about characters, if you want to know them, uh, if you want to follow them, um, this this is the perfect story for you because you can join a family. And you can join mm -hmm. their adventure, they, they, their misfortune, they, their adventure, and um, that, that's it. That's it. It's, it's just. I mean, I, I think you are lucky. You have just been lucky to be on the same page, literally on the same page when it comes mm. to characters. Yeah, Daniele, I was also really impressed with the detailing you did in, like, with the weapons and vehicles and costuming. Um, when you're, when you're developing the look of these things how much research goes into it how much is on the page and the script and stuff like that um tom uh usually gives me um a lot of room uh with uh, i mean uh, maybe models of weapons of vehicles and uh, clothes and stuff uh but mm -hmm. on my side i i love to do research and getting refer references because i think that they give they can feel they can make me make feel real what you're reading and also 
I've been like four years with Power Rangers with uh, invented robots, uh, suits, <laughs> helmets, yeah, yeah. and all those uh, sci-fi stuff. And right. I've been so happy to be again with realistic stuff. Uh, I, I remember that uh, on the very first page, you see a, um, a very close shot of a gun. Mm-hmm. And I was so happy to be able to do again <laughs> a real gun. And it's been really a very long time not able to do real stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I do a lot of research because I, I love to do that. But Tom, mm. uh, when, when he wants something, he just r- write me what he wants. And I follow mm-hmm. his his advices. And yeah, we, we want the same thing. Yeah, that's it may sound cheesy, but it's how it is. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when when a when a realistic looking weapon shows up, you just know it's real. Uh, yeah, when that 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 detail is in there for sure. Yeah, yeah, you can you can feel the the weight also mm. on on a, mm-hmm. on a. I mean, if you if you can see that, that that it's a gun, it's a real gun. You can you can be scared by that. You you know that mm. it's a, it's a danger mm-hmm. because you can recognize that kind of what you're seeing. Okay, that's mm-hmm. that's it. Because if if you can recognize what you're seeing, you you can. You can feel what uh, we are trying to communicate. Yeah. Tom, do you do you ever put in like the the make and model of a gun or a, a vehicle no, in your scripts? No, uh, maybe of vehicles. Um, certainly not of guns. I'm not a weapons person, and certainly not a guns person. I live in Australia. We don't do guns. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> so yeah, we actually we made a decision really early on that our our keepers and holders don't actually have guns, um, and that was you know that's. I think part of the way I was raised and, and where I live. Um, and I just think it's more exciting if they fight without guns because guns are very easy and our, our keepers and holders are so skilled and so talented mm-hmm. at killing you in, in other ways. It's, you know, <laughs> let's explore that. Um, so yeah, no, so I, I don't in that instance, but also one of my first ever jobs um, and where I sort of learned, comic book writing i i was i was writing star wars for dark horse and i was working with a a man called colin wilson who is a legend of european Mm. comics in particular he was handpicked by moebius to take over on blueberry and all of these things he started uh rogue trooper with dave gibbons so he's very good mates with and has, has been out here um and i remember writing star wars and i'd be i'd be reading it and i'd be looking at it and going hey colin what happened to you know this that was in this panel he's like Oh, well, look, you wrote three paragraphs, so I didn't read that far. Um, <laughs> so I learned, you know, if I want that TIE fighter there, I need to start writing more concise. Um, so right. I write very, very concise. And when I'm writing, when I'm working with a really, really good artist and I trust them, then I then I don't need to put as much on the page. And I trust Danielle so much. You know, he, he he's never seen... He's lucky he's never seen what I have to do sometimes <laughs> where I go into every single panel and every thumbnail and, and, and change everything and talk about which side of panels characters should be on and, and all the things that, I, that I've had to do occasionally with artists that, that mm-hmm. you know, don't have the, the experience of Daniele or, or the, that sort of natural ability or are still learning. And I go in and basically do too much. Um, but with Daniele, I know I can... I can just give him the bare bones and in particular the most important thing to me and we have the same sort of storytelling priorities is I tell him what the character's feeling so I mm-hmm. or I or I describe the expression um because character is my entry point into any story 
um, I need to know that that person is conflicted about what they've had to give up, that they're sad because of this. You know, it's not that they're flying through the air and kicking someone. It's why they're flying through the air and kicking someone. Um, right. And that's so that's always in my panel descriptions. The expressions are always there. Um, huh. or, or, you know, if it's a really complex expression, then what? what it is that they're feeling at least my next question actually when when you're crafting an action scene how do you know how many panels or pages you need to get it to work um well when you're crafting an action scene the tr the, the first trick is to give the artist more room you know i'm as a standard comic page for me i try to hit five five panels on every page um mm -hmm. like that's that's the sort of sweet spot if i go to six or seven you know then okay that needs to be talking heads basically but if it's action then it needs to be three or four you know you need to give them a big splash page or give them a double page spread um and say go to town i mean there's a stunning double page spread in the first issue of this uh where eva has come out of an abandoned uh underground in london and mm. is being chased through the streets and she's on a motorbike and and it's a double page spread because you see Daniele's work and you go, give him a double face spread, just wow us. <laughs> and he does. And it's such a cool, it's such a cool spread. And it's just, there's so much energy on that page. So it sounds, it sounds like it's up to you, Daniele, to like go, okay, we need one more panel here or there to make the, the, the scene work. Uh, yeah, I, I, I always feel um, it's, it's always good. I, I mean, the, the, the script of Tom, it's always perfect about actions and stuff. And, uh, um, with, with action scenes, I usually, I mean, I, sometimes Tom just gives me room. I mean, uh, there's a particular page on, um, on issue three where he just gave me, yeah, told me, okay, here it's happening. This, uh, mm -hmm. do, do your job. Okay. <laughs> Feel free <laughs> to, to do whatever you want. And, and the cool thing that is he, he, he gave me like the, the beginning of the action and, and the and the end of the action, so I know mm. where we are starting and where we are ending. So in the middle, I can I can make happen everything that I want. Also, mm -hmm. things that maybe uh, Tom hasn't uh, thought about. Uh, and it, it's funny. It's funny because I I, I love to do uh, action scenes that are not maybe uh, you know just kicking and punching, but I I love make characters uh, interact with the with the ambient uh picking up things throwing things uh making jumps on the on on walls on uh and things like that uh, things that maybe in uh, superhero comics you see less and mm -hmm. uh, but with this kind of stories that it's like i mean a mix with the uh um, james bond and mission impossible uh, <laughs> and all these kind of action movies yeah, you can you can do you can do this stuff and it's it's why i'm enjoying so much this story yes seven secrets is so cinematic was there any any films that ins that inspire you now or, or inspired this work uh for me it was it was daniele's art that inspired me it was <laughs> it was literally seeing how he drew action and wanting to see more of that um, there was, there's this great scene that he, I think it was in just in the latest issue that he's been, um, sending pages of into my inbox. And I just went, man, I just, I'm just going to write you like a, a script that's just calls for this for 22 pages. Cause this <laughs> is awesome. Like there's yeah. like knowing what he can do 
on a page, knowing the action he can bring, you just want to see more of it. So I write very specifically, like all the character stuff is very, very me, but knowing mm-hmm. full well that he's going to crush it. But the action stuff is me writing with his art style in my head, with with the way he draws action and knowing that I can say, yes, this character is leaping, you know, doing a cartwheel over a, over a boat, over a lake in Venice sort of thing, <laughs> and knowing that what I'm going to get is, you know, I'm hanging to see it because I know Daniele will make it so much better. Um, so, you know, that's that's what inspires me. Yes, I, I love action films and I watch a whole lot of things, but but when you're working with an artist of this caliber, you you really try to cater to their strengths. Daniele, is there any movies that inspire you? Uh, I, I love action, action movies and adventure movies. So everything about them, I grew up with them. So I think that like the, the movies that I mentioned before, also with uh, or Kingsman, or I, I can tell you also films like Indiana Jones, for example, are all kind of stories that um, are in my brain, <laughs> are, um, <laughs> in my background. So I think that unconsciously I use them. And as some said, um, uh, it's it's why you, when, when you care about characters, you care about their actions and and you and you want and you hope for them to not be killed or injured when, <laughs> when, when they are doing those things. And uh, and okay, and I love all the actions and stuff that uh, Tom writes for me. But I mm-hmm. can't wait every time in every issue to get to the emotion pages with the when characters are talking, are uh, acting and expressing their feelings. And uh, it's it's a great balance. And that's why I'm loving so much this project because there's a great balance in everything we are doing. Nice. Do you guys have any rituals you 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 uh, undertake before you put pen to paper? Uh, I like to procrastinate a whole lot. <laughs> I find that's a really good. Uh, that's a really really good ritual. Just like put things off forever, just like I did back at school. <laughs> like just you know dick around, stare at the internet, pretend to be working look at Twitter for the millionth time just in case something's changed, flick to my soccer site just in case there's another headline. Um, <laughs> I do, I put things off a lot, but really what a lot of what I do is just thinking. Um, mm. You know, writers a lot of the time, you know, anytime we're not typing, we're just, we're thinking. I walk around the house with a million different characters having different conversations in my head. <laughs> All the time, all day. When I go to bed, they're still talking, um, and I'm still writing little emails to myself at night. I wake up to an email of random dialogue. You know, it's like, oh, and then Superman tells Batman this. I'm like, great, thanks, thanks, past Tom. You're a lifesaver, <laughs> time um, traveler. Yeah. So for me, it's just, it's just about doing almost everything but the writing. It's my ritual, um, the actual <laughs> typing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I. Um... I, I do things uh, out of work. For example, I, I, I wake up very, very early in the morning and used to do exercises. I go to the gym. So it's the, my my personal moment <laughs> during the day. <laughs> but uh, I start, um, I, I work outside home. I have a studio with our comic artists. Um, so once I get in the studio, I just sit to my table and start to grind a lot of work and uh, mm. maybe i i start to you know warm my my hand with uh, some random sketches with uh, some random poses uh mm-hmm. i i 
I use this 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 website that switches random poses every thirty seconds, and I used to oh. catch the just the the gestures of the movements of the action of the body. And mm-hmm. once I have, you know, I do some did some warm up. I start to do I start to draw or ink. It depends on the day. And it's mm-hmm. just that I I love to stay focused with my music or YouTube videos or documentaries or films or uh, TV series and. It's just that I uh, th- there's not enough time to do comics, <laughs> so we have to <laughs> to be careful about the time that we have to do the uh, most perfect things. So one more question, one last question, uh, which you might might actually have a, a, a direct response to based on the fact that you don't have a lot of time. Is what comics are you reading right now? Oh, what comics am I reading right now? Um, I'm I'm reading I'm reading lots actually. At the moment, what's sitting on my... I'm trying to think what's on my bedside table at the moment. I've got Tom King's uh, Up in the Sky, I think it's called. What is it? Yes, I think that's what it's called. Uh, The Superman story that he did that was originally a Walmart book. I've just read Once a Future, the Boom story, which is just fantastic, along Mm -hmm. with uh, James Tynan's Wind, which was awesome. Um, I'm reading... Obviously, I, I do read a lot of... DC because I work for DC a lot. Um, so yeah. I've just read Mariko Tamaki's Wonder Woman with uh, Mikkel Janin, which is just such a beautiful looking book. Um, couldn't, yeah, certainly recommend that. Um, and yeah, but there are a bunch of boom books that are really, really exciting. So it's really exciting to be working with them on this. And Daniele, what are you, what are you reading? Uh, I'm reading uh, a, a lot of boom stuff too, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> yeah, I'm reading uh, Once in Future, Something to Kill the Children. Um, I'm reading, I have to read Wind. Um, uh, I'm reading also the uh, Batman, the one by Frank Miller and Rafael Grampa at the moment. And um, I'm reading also, I, I, I usually read a lot of manga, to be honest. That's mm-hmm. where I came from as a reader. And I'm still yeah. reading a lot of them. I uh, I read stuff like uh, Seven Deadly Sins. Uh, I just bought uh, Fire Punch. It's called. Uh, I I read uh, One Punch Man. Uh, I watch a lot of series, and I, I like to do uh, a lot of mixes. And I, I have to be honest. I have to uh, to read. I have to start to read a lot of Marvel and DC. I, I mean, I I, I read them. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm more bound to uh, manga stuff and indie stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I started, for example, with the Suicide Squad by Tom because <laughs> yeah, it's I've read so good, Tom. That's pretty good. So good. I, yeah, I've read that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the end of our show. Thank you guys so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much.